yeah, just talking with a lot of them over the last couple of years, it's hard. The the stadiums themselves are what kind of prohibits a lot of things. Yeah. So. No, I know, I know there's an issue with obviously Cincinnati and stuff, but it's like yeah. when you watch a football game or you watch a basketball game, like the, nothing can possibly happen on the quarter on the field where you're not going to get a replay right away. And it's going to have that whatever it is. It's a scrum underneath, whatever mm-hmm. it is. So it's like if they can get underneath a scrum, like tennis has to figure out a way to get the deeper outer force of the court. Yeah, it's like it's but it's tricky though. Like yeah. again, you're you're Yeah. It's one thing to have the camera set up. Yes. Those but those cameras cost a lot of money. Plus you have the you know, there you have to have camera operators. Like there is the expense associated with that. I mean, it's it's there's a lot of added expense that people don't necessarily think about. That's true. And, and my I, pushback on on that, which is not going to solve everything, yeah, is that providing that footage and yeah. then giving it the who, who has the rights to share that footage, yeah, the chance that they're going to go viral on this clip is very high. I, I completely you're, agree. You're, so all your everything's going to be become instantly more expensive to be on because like, it's going to have the. the I, the, yes. the brand awareness for all those brands that are sponsored will be astronomical. Totally understand. I, I totally get it. And I think I think it's going to be, it's kind of one of these things that's just a slow and steady progress because I think, I, I do think that the technological side and the, the amount of cameras, Nate, are higher and higher, yeah. but it's probably not at the pace where yeah. we want it. But I, it, 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 it continues to get better. It's just a matter of... Yeah, no, sometimes is, it goes slower than we think we want. I, I have a, no, they all started back because I think yesterday, I can't remember if it was, if it was Casper, somebody hit a passing, I think it was Casper, mm. hit a shot, and I'm like, I don't even know how, if he if he hit it with a regular grip, did he squash out it? <laughs> yeah, right, did yeah. He, what, did he go to Continental? Like, what, what was, how did he even make the ball do what it just did from, with just a wrist? You know? Yeah. So that's, that's what, anyway. Yeah. All right, guys, we just recorded the, I, I had to clip the rest <laughs> of that conversation. I thought that was pretty interesting. I know people probably, have similar questions, I would assume, that watch tennis on TV a lot. But sitting here with Mike Cation, I don't think he needs an introduction. Uh, if you guys watch tennis, you guys know who Mike Cation is. Uh, check out him on Twitter as well. Uh, Mike, great to sit down with you. We're in Monday's action right now. It's a busy slate yeah. into the second week of Miami Open. Uh, despite not having some of the stars in, in tennis, to me, this, this past weekend did not disappoint in any way. The grandstand saw so many tough matches. Mm. I mean, I was I found myself on grandstand an awfully lot, an yeah. awful lot. So far, let's just start with, with the highlights so far of the first week. What are your two or three things that you've uh, enjoyed so far? Yeah, I mean, obviously Carlos. Um, he just walked by a second ago. I don't know if you saw him there, Nate. He snuck in behind you there. Is he wearing um, Is he wearing the jersey still? <laughs> no, not not wearing a jersey. Um, I did, I did not see him. It's, he's, uh, but I'm sure he was waving to people and smiling because that's all he does he around does. this place. He does. He's 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 remains incredibly friendly, Nate. It's it's remarkable that he is still so down to earth. Um, yeah, I mean, listen, what he's doing right now is off the charts good. Um, specifically, the ease with which he's doing it is, I can't I can't fathom it. I, I genuinely can't in today's day and age. And. Um, I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully getting to a point where we're getting to see the tennis of Novak, the tennis of Carlos, and Daniil Medvedev playing at the level that he's capable of, and seeing essentially a, in in a many ways a new big three yep. um, with with those three in particular. So Carlos is is number one for me. 
Um, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm looking at your draw here as, I, as, we, as, we, as we go. Um, I, I think it's been another really good week. You, you, listen, you mentioned Grandstand, and yeah, the, the Hercatch Kokonakis match was. Um, so I did the post match interview for that one, and that was a 39 gamer, right? Mm-hmm. It was. Two, three and a half. Longest match of the year. Yeah, uh, uh, absurdly high level. Uh, Tanasi, the, the second set, I think it was either 6 4 or 6 5, one of those two match points where he had a volley a forehand volley match point of his and he and he dumped it into the net and it just like the margin being so slim um i think i think the pressure mounted when he hit a 126 mile an hour serve into Hubie's backhand which we all know is a stronger stroke and Hubie <laughs> cracks a winner i Kakanakis came to his mix the mix zone which is where they do the pressers here downstairs uh, immediately after the match, yeah. I was one of two reporters that were kind of down here. Uh, just took the interview with because uh, I, I didn't even have him request it. I just had the winner requested, and yeah. they're like, "Do you got any questions?" And I started talking to him, and he was like, "I mean, he's like, I tried my balls off. He's like, yep. I mean, I, I hit one of the best serves that I've hit all match. Yeah, no. And he said that was the best return I've ever seen in my life. Considering the moment, considering I the think moment, that's absolutely yeah. accurate. I mean, match pin, point down for pinpointing for that in the corner. It's ridiculous, but that, I think that was the match of the week so far for me. Um, yeah, right now I believe Quentin Alice and Mackie McDonald are playing. I think that's a that's a big one. Um, I, I'm I'm really happy to see Mackie have this opportunity here. There are a couple of guys, Adrian Manorino being one. He plays her catch later today um, as as we're talking. I think Manorino, I mean just. Guys, 19 pounds of string tension I know. on that string bed. I know. That does not make sense, but you watch him absorb pace. I did not think Ben Sheldon played a poor match. I was at that entire match. I didn't think Sheldon played poorly. He was trying to figure it out. He was trying to kind of maneuver the ball around the court and find rhythm. That wasn't working out. He tried to hit through Manorino. That wasn't working out. He tried to bring him to the net a little bit. I mean, Manorino had so many answers. He, we just saw him t- take out J.J. Wolf recently. Yeah. What he's doing right now on the hard court is ridiculous. Adrian, I've seen him for so many years, really was kind of a challenger regular from like 2014 to 2016. Um, and he's just so different. Um, it was Dan Evans. I was talking with Dan Evans a couple the, the day before he played Shelton, and he just said, "What do you th- who do you think is going to win?" And I said, "Well, I, I have to put my money on Shelton just because he's he's you know the, the serve the ability to to just control things. I think it's going to be hard for Adrian." And he's just like, "Listen, the guy is going to be so different than anything that Ben Shelton's ever seen, exactly. and he's going to come through." It's and true. He's right. It's um, true. Even, yeah, Shelton but, was the favorite going into that match, but I did not think that when I looked at that. I was like, "There's that's a tricky matchup for anybody on the first on the first go around." You don't know, yeah. I think, I don't, how you play Adrian Manorino, yeah. it's, it's just the so guy's hard so, to... The guy's so fast. It's just, yep. his, 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 his so, ball, every ball is pit flat to the baseline, yep. and it's, it's incredible. Anyway, Mackenzie McDonald pulls through 7-6, 7-6. Two breakers over Matteo Berrettini. Berrettini had a chance yeah. to, to serve it out in the second set. Mackenzie McDonald just continues to ask the question, like, do you have what it takes in the pressure moments to finish it off? Mm-hmm. And Berrettini's right now mentally not at that stage right now after kind of losing confidence and... Uh, just ever since that slip when, when he got COVID before Wimbledon and was forced out of that tournament, he has yet to regain his footing on the tour. Yep. And he's just falling to people that he's, you would think he, was, he would take in straight sets, honestly. And yeah. McDonald's been playing amazing tennis. Nothing he to has. take away from McKenzie McDonald. He looks like he's hitting the ball as clean as ever. He's moving forward now at a higher rate than he ever used to, I feel like. And his volleys look pretty clean. And 
he's he's not afraid to mix it up a little bit, and he's he's pesty. You just don't want he's, he's going to compete. We had him on our podcast uh, that I do with Noah a couple Noah Rubin a couple weeks ago. Um, just talking, he talked a lot about his new relationship with Robbie Ginepri, um, who is his coach. Just about the fact that he needs to kind of get back to being that aggressor, uh, find that mindset just a little bit more. You mentioned it moving forward a little bit more and, and being a little bit clean uh, in terms of finishing points and being proactive in that regard. He's taking so, the ball early, as, as yes. Ginepri's really had him focus on just taking the ball taking off, off the hop. Yeah. Um, but I like, you know, it, this is, you know, looking ahead to tomorrow, Alcaraz, Paul, Fritz, Runa, Sinner, Rublev. I mean, that's some heavy hitting action. Um, you know, but I, I, big picture, though, Nate, like I, I just I, I like um, the, the extreme variety we're seeing on tour right now. Um, I like how many different styles we're seeing. Um, listen, That's Carlos is true. up at the top, right? Like, there's no doubt, and obviously Novak too. But I, I like the fact that, with the exception of Carlos, I feel like there's a lot of people who can make that deep semifinal run, that deep final run. Um, at and, a Masters 1000. Yeah, at a Masters 1000, and I think that's important. Um, and I think, you know, trying to showcase some of those styles and some of those stories is 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 pretty cool. I think, yeah, like you just said, I think there's guys that are playing all different styles. I mean, what Sinner's doing on the court is ridiculous. Yeah. Slapping off both wings. He's actually another guy that's put an emphasis on coming forward more. But to me, the storyline that I think is uh, most interesting, especially for American tennis fans, is what Tommy Paul was doing. Mm. I was super, like intrigued by what Carlos had to say about him and his presser, saying that this is a guy that he really enjoys watching, a guy he takes time out of his his, his schedule to, to, to watch Tommy's athleticism and to watch, I mean, they said like, what does he do well? And he was like, everything. I mean, he yeah. moves well, hits the ball big, he has, he has variety He's and, and I think that was cool that Carlos just kind of gave him that nod and yeah. Tommy's number five in the singles race right now, which is insane. I mean yeah. <laughs> this is a guy that uh, just changed rackets in an offseason and yeah. now he's having right. he's, he's hit another level and it's just been amazing to watch. I mean, a semifinal run in Australia, a final appearance a finals appearance in Acapulco and now he's looking steady. I mean, taking out a Falkina in, in straight sets is no easy task and it's just been amazing to watch Tommy's uh, ability to, to really just dismantle everybody he's supposed to be and really also a very good example of the fact that no progress is linear nate uh tommy obviously it's i mean a well-known story obviously just being with taylor with riley that that group right but it took him a lot longer to just get to a point where he could be a professional tennis player uh and first it was that big step into the top 100 and now what he's done over the last year year and a half has been absolutely remarkable i i think it's always been there we always knew that when he was at full flight, fully energized and actually focused, that was when you know he was capable, even 2016, 2017, he was capable of playing at that level. It was just, he wasn't ready. Um, but I, yeah, he's... He, I, I underestimated his firepower. Like, uh, I, I saw yeah. the athleticism, like, as far as, like, the movement and the fluidity off the ground and his ability to absorb pace and redirect. I did not see him being able to dictate it as well as he has been able to, yeah. especially against a guy like Hubie Hercotch, who plays amazing defense. Yeah, he, I mean, he was controlling that match. The, yes, like it's anywhere else. I think it's always been there. I, am, I really do. I just think he, it was. It's really been. He's not a big guy though. Like he's not like a. You look, no, it's but it, but the, this the, it's been about. Listen, it's always the same thing, Nate. For for so many of these players who go from like 150, 200 to yeah. two fifty and above, it's about just having that ability and understanding that I can hit that shot, you know, on repeat. Yeah. And to, Tommy, I mean, like I, I think back to it was prior to his first injury, he was in Winnetka. He was about three hundred and fifty in the world challenger. And like you see him flying around the court and just being able to on the run coming up with the smoke off the backhand wing and just like full sprint just 
punch at cross court and have no problem with it. But the now it's just at huge. that point, that point where he yeah. feels that he can do it every single swing. And so it was yeah. just a matter of, again, just getting to that professional level. Brad Stein will never get nearly enough credit for what he has helped Tommy become. Um, but Tommy, yeah, he's just such a, a different human being than he was five or six years ago. And his game is effortless. I mean, you, if you watch Tommy Paul play, you think tennis is easy. I mean, his ability yeah, to throw his exactly body weight right. around the ball on, e- on either side is impressive. But a couple other storylines before I, I, I know we um, – this is yeah, – I just wanted to recap. This is yeah. a, a couple of small headlines that I liked. Eubanks dangerously close to mm-hmm. getting into the top 100. One win away. Yeah, it's tonight. And Chris Eubanks, I mean, you guys, you can't find a better human being than just an ambassador of tennis and a guy that's been grinding from the Futures Tour, challengers, and he's a guy that he deserves more than anybody, and I think it would be a pretty cool place for him to do it. A former college player at Georgia Tech, another guy that's going to jump inside the top 100. That would be like 16 Americans that have been in the top 100 last month. Yeah, listen, uh, I know Chris well. We talk a lot. Um, <laughs> I, I love him to death, and he, he you said it, he's a, a very good human being. He is, as much as he will say before the match, if you were to ask him that he's not thinking about those kind of things, that's a very smart individual, and he knows exactly where he is in the live rankings at 104, I believe it is, as of this morning, that he would get to 96 uh, if he beats Gregoire Borer tonight. Um, that guy's tough, though. He's tough. Chris beat him last summer. Oh, wow. Um, Good things should happen to good people. If it doesn't happen <laughs> Still, here, yeah. it will happen for Chris somewhere else. That's and that's amazing. I think his success. He just continued to chip away, chip away. How old is Chris now? Twenty six. So yeah, I think mean, that's right. So twenty six years old. He's continued to push through for his breakthrough. Next storyline I'd like is Felix is uh, he's ready to reach a seventh straight Masters. I know that's crazy. Quarterfinal. It's crazy. Seven straight quarters. Yeah, that would be uh, un- unreal in in yeah in Master Series quarterfinals. That's. It's just. It, it he is was on the, the, I mean, Montero pushed. He, yes. Montero pushed. It, it was a great match. Two tiebreak sets. Yeah. Um, I, I think it goes back to it though. This 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 question, Nate, and it takes it takes players this amount of time. His talent level, obviously top ten talent level, right? There's no question about it. But it's just that matter of he still yes seven straight quarterfinals, not one final. And that's really that question for Felix until it isn't, right? Yeah. Until he's able to find. I mean, I, you know, I, I here's the thing with being a. So I'm working for Tennis TV this week as their on court reporter. I haven't watched as much tennis, so I, I didn't know exactly where he was in the draw. So yeah, like listen, if 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 seeds hold, it's Francis Tiafo in the semis, uh, in the quarters to get to the semis, right? Where it would be Sitsipas. At some point, you think Sitsipas? I don't know. He, he doesn't. He's hitting slice all day on the backhand. I know. I know. I'm just. I just. That's why I said yeah. if seeds hold, yeah. right? Yeah, 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 yeah. Like that's that's the thing. It's. This is as good as it gets to get to the final, right? Like to, or at least to get to the semis. At some point, there has to be that one final. There has to be that Grand Slam final. I mean, it's just going to be the question until it isn't. Exactly. One guy you just mentioned there, Francis Tiafo, on the brink of making a breakthrough as well in the top ten. Yeah. Did Did you see this coming for Tiafo? Yes. Um, I I think, uh, you know, I I did a lot of podcasts, Nate, like what 2017 when there when it was the that, that core group and starting to make their first big push towards the top 50. I think everybody kind of accepted that, that Taylor Fritz was going to be a top 10 guy. I think the biggest uh, disparity of what the like ceiling and floor was clearly going to be Francis. The, that ceiling is exceedingly high. 
the floor could also be exceedingly low. He had the biggest variety. It was just that matter of, you know, again, the same thing, that idea. And you had, had him in the press conference. It was last week in Indian Wells, right? Yeah. Where he talked about just, you know, what was it? Having a coach who pushed him to do all the little things. Oh, it's talking about LeBron, right? Yeah. Yeah. About saying LeBron, you know, said you have to do the same things every day with that regularity and that he never really listened to his parents. Yeah, exactly. The fact that, that was, he's that been around, cool. yeah, the fact that he's been around those kind of people who are yeah. saying, this is what you have to do clearly makes all the difference in the world and now he is at that level where we all knew it was possible for him me and my college teammates have a group chat going okay. back from our days when we were playing them together and we still are where very active play? Bellarmine University okay. in Louisville Kentucky um shout, shout to the Knights but um, <laughs> so we always had this ongoing argument I was always saying on the, I was a firm believer that Fritz was going to be better than Tiafo. this is like 2017 2018 yeah and I was always like Fritz has a higher ceiling and I, I just didn't think Tiafo had like Tiafo, I didn't. I thought he was a little bit stiff, a little bit, a little bit stiff. I think but, that's fair. And I, 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 he's not quite the athlete that I that I thought he would, he may be, but he's made it work. And I think his back end, he just trusts it, and he can he can really. I mean, when he's in a back end to back end exchange, there's not many guys that I'm taking over him right yeah, now. Yeah, right. And the forehand has gotten a lot more shared up. It doesn't doesn't spray it as often. Yes. It stays. It doesn't doesn't shank. Doesn't kind of fall off with his body weight. So he stays on the ball a lot stronger now. And he's. I mean, he's a like. He's a better athlete than I than I kind of give him gave him credit for. Yes. His defense is looking sharper. I mean, he played against a guy Watanuki the other day who was hitting out of his socks. Yeah. And Tiafo continued to just kind of grind and yes. scrap for a win. The, this Francis Tiafo is dangerous, and I think he's a guy that tennis needs to do well because he there's it doesn't matter what round he's in, who he's playing. You're going to want to watch what he's doing, and he's going to put on a show. Well, it's such an interesting dynamic. I was having this conversation um, a, a couple days ago. Taylor is higher ranked. Um, maybe doesn't have as big of a, what do they call it, a Q factor, you know, just like that. The height. Like, obviously, look, he looks the part. Taylor yeah. looks the part. Uh, Morgs has, has done so much to help him in that regard as well. But it's Francis, his girlfriend, guys. Yes. <laughs> uh, Francis, <laughs> Someone's going to ask. Francis, yeah. Francis has something special in terms of his personality that a lot of players just don't. Yeah. And, and, yes, here in the States specifically, that's, yeah. that is important to point out, if he gets part of it, he just smiles. I mean, if you smile, the, the more you smile, and the correct. more, yeah. Let me let me interrupt you and just say, I work with a lot of photographers, right? Yeah. Two two camera people who have, you know, they they probably do 10, 10 events a year. They had not interacted with um, Ben Shelton until Australia and here in Miami. And to a man, every one of them said he is the best person we've had to shoot in years because of the fact, as you mentioned always smiling, always giving you something. Francis is the exact same way, right? Just always gives you something. There's the expression, there's, yeah, just that personality, the fact that he's talking a lot. It just, again, magnifies, it takes it to a different level and it's gonna be really crucial for him. Yeah, if you give me Francis Tiafo as a Grand Slam champion here in the States, that's a massive deal. That is, that is, that, that's huge for, for, for everybody, for, for Francis and for the sport and for just, the culture of tennis. I yes. mean, he, he's been he's been cha- he's changed it in a lot of ways. And yes, I, yeah, his social media. I like how he's pulling in uh, social media. A, a guy that's handling his social has done basketball previously, so he brings a whole different kind of outlook on it. But yes, um, yeah, I think that's all I had for had, had for sto- storylines. I want to just get a quick prediction on the oh, two Lord. matchups. Two, the two matchups that I'm most looking forward to, guys, would be Carlos Alcaraz versus Tommy Paul. Yeah, and right beneath that, Taylor Fritz versus Holger Rune. Those four guys somehow are all in the same little section all playing like top seven eight players in the world right now yeah and that's heavy hitting give me your 
Carlos Alcaraz, Tommy Paul oh, prediction. Man. Tommy just got the last win yeah, in, I know. in Montreal. Uh, that was a big-time match for Tommy. I think he was down match point. Uh, yeah, I think I that's think, right. But where, where do you feel on the Tommy's at? The, he's playing at a high level, but Carlos is. Well, I can't pick against Carlos Alcaraz. Yeah. That's I and I. I think even if I if Tommy was here right now, I think I'd even say it to his face. It's just like I can't. Yeah. I can't pick against Carlos right now. Tommy would understand. Tommy would understand. Um, I I think Tommy though does have the capability of his variety has that capability of getting Alcaraz just off balance. Um, I, I think I'm going to be very curious, though, to see how well Tommy dictates, especially once Carlos gets into those moments, those really special moments, right? Does, does Tommy kind of back off a little bit and stop applying pressure? Tommy has to be the aggressor in that matchup to make it so that Alcaraz is not comfortable. Um, and it's also obviously possible that Carlos has a day and, yeah. you know, what, yeah. whatever. Uh, Fritz Runit. Uh, so I talked to Taylor after his... I actually is that the, what's, Which one of those is most interest you? Um... Fritz Rune. Okay. Um, mostly because I, I um, both of those are popcorn. Yeah, matches. I mean, right, exactly. I, I yeah, it's hard, it's hard to say. Yeah, yeah. it's it's. I, I'm I'm curious to see. You know, Taylor. I talked to him. He, I asked him specifically after the Shapovalov win. I said, you know, obviously you played Emilio Nava in your first match, Shapovalov in your second. Both guys who don't allow you to be the aggressor, and and Holger kind of the same type of storyline. He said, yeah. he said actually, I I think Holger's going to give me opportunities. Uh-huh. So he he already, and that was right after the Shapovalov match. He's just like, yeah, no, actually, I'm going to be the aggressor here. So he's already had clicked into that match, and I it's, I. It's- I Fritz, I can't imagine Fritz going into any match not thinking that. Yeah, but that's the thing he did yeah. against Nava. He did against Shapovalov. Yeah. He did. No, that's. I yeah. mean, his words, yeah. not mine, right? right? No, so, did, like, yeah. um, Nava I, was just swinging out of his shoes. For well, that's what Nava yeah. does. Right. Like, that's that's who he's been for several years. It's yeah. just now he's starting to kind of narrow the court a little bit, no. which is really really good for him. Yeah. Um, I so if if I have to make a prediction, I'm. I, I think I'm going with with Taylor um, right now. I think I'm going with Taylor, guys. That's yeah. He doesn't. I, that's dicey. That's going three sets in your voice. Right? Correct. Yeah. That's that's, that's like a six four in the third type of a situation for me. Um, but that said, I mean, listen. If Holger serves well again, like he destroyed Schwartzman. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know it's a completely it's, different matchup than against Taylor. Fritz. I I understand, but like he just the 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 way he was attacking every single point was fantastic to watch. He's obviously incredibly talented. I, I, that is one. I don't know if I have to watch one of the two of them, Nate. Yeah. Like if they're like yeah. on Twitter, I'm gonna watch Alcaraz, Tommy Paul. Yeah. That's just a little bit more me stylistically what yeah. I like. Yeah. Um, but I'm more curious about yeah. Fritz Rune, if that makes sense. I think I think I'm in the same boat there. And then Santa Rublev's a great matchup as well too. Yeah, Those yeah. Those guys are gonna slap. That's a slap fest. Uh, Ruzavori <laughs> looking for a breakthrough. Gil Gross actually came on our pod earlier this week, and yeah. he said that's his dark horse. So he's got a favorable draw now with Botic up next. But, uh, Mike, any last takeaways? This has been a lot of fun sitting down. Hey, this is not a Zoom call, guys. Like We're yeah, actually right. interviewing in, <laughs> in real person. life, in person. So, Mike, um, Mike, to me, I was I was going to just have him on a Zoom call. I'm like, that's not, that's not nearly yeah, as fun here, as right? yeah, sitting, <laughs> sitting in the grounds of uh, Hard Rock Stadium. Um, I always like to... I always like to make sure I say this, Nate. We, we've, so please know this is not you. We focus a lot uh, on the highest levels. Um, So I know you will have a lot of American listeners to this. Make sure you go out to your local challenger. Make sure you go out to your local future. 
Um, one of the reasons I, I'm lucky enough to get to work for Tennis TV right now um, is because of the fact that I have relationships with. I mean, I could go down this this list with you, like like players today. Uh, over the last five years, I've called matches of Manorino, Eubanks, Barrer, Alice, McDonald, Molchan, Medvedev in Savannah and Tallahassee. Savannah and Tallahassee, Florida, right? Um, Felix, uh, Surindolo, uh, Tiafo, Hachanov in Aptos, California. Christian Garin played the green clay stretch. I mean, like, that's that's round of 16 uh, on, on one half, right? Like, yeah. I, I go out and watch that. You just... there. Every tournament we have in the States, especially at the challenger level, you're going to see probably five or six guys who are going to be top 50 at some point in their careers. I always like to just make sure to remind people of that because, yeah, you get the access to those players and learn about them at that lower level, and it's it's so important to continue to go and support. I mean, listen, you, you know at Louisville, I mean, like, that's a really good college town. We don't have, uh, or excuse me, a tennis town. We don't have professional event there at the challenger level yet but lexington does right i think one's coming in louisville if i had yeah that's they're huge. coming yeah it's coming um, so like just make sure you know when you're out this summer you have a nice weekend yep. go find a futures go find a challenger go find an itf and go watch for a little bit so tennis point is uh sponsoring two uh challengers this year so i'm excited to get to which one. ones can I you th- tell me i think it's um yeah i you want to, you, you might, not, you'll tell me later. I will not say it's, no. We can say, we can say because I, I, they're they're pretty much cooked. But uh, if something changes, don't don't uh, don't come after me, guys. But it's Chicago and mm. Ch- Charleston, I believe. Okay, those are the two that we have circled so far. Um, I'm I'll excited to get to both. Them. Well, it'll be great to see you, and we'll be definitely doing a podcast again. Yeah, if I can get you again. So um, no, I think you just made a great point. I've been to the Columbus Challenger a handful of times. Mm-hmm. That's always been a great level. It's where I've discovered guys like Jensen Brooksby when he was right. Um, yeah, well outside, he made a good run. I've, I mean, it's a guy I, I always love watching. Yoshi Nishioka compete there. Yeah. Uh, Emilio Gomez, JJ Wolf. I mean, all these. I mean, Sebastian Corda yeah. played the final against Wolf one year. Um, so that's where that's where these guys come from, guys. And it's a more intimate atmosphere. You can get super close and cheaper. I mean, yeah, it's cheaper. <laughs> yeah, and, and the ball in a lot of the events, the ones I've gone to, it's. I mean, yeah, you're right there on the action front row seat. So, yeah. Mike. Love having you on. Love the conversation. No worries. Definitely want to do it again. That was too much fun. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode, though, guys. Thanks for checking out the Pure Tennis Podcast. Have a great one. All right, I'm sitting out here with Patrick Cool of Tennis One. Patrick, we're going to do a little dual podcast today, a little double duty. Yeah, plug the Tennis One podcast before we get started here. Tennis One, yeah, we just started it in January. So Madison Golden and myself at Tennis One, we've just been doing it for fun, trying to talk about tennis as often as possible and, you know, kind of in a little more fun way. We don't do a lot of X's and O's. Nate, I will say, is much better at that. We just try to, uh, we talk about the gossip and, you know, just just anything that's kind of going around tennis and we're at a lot of tournaments like the Miami Open. So we're down here right now hanging with Nate. Madison does a lot of the... Uh behind the scenes content with like the, the who's dating who who's doing the off-court content he knows it all so I, I i do need to get with madison because that stuff has always interested me as well but yeah check out the tennis one podcast guys but today we want to give you guys a little bit of a recap of what's happened during week one of the miami open as well as a little bit of a preview of what's to come uh, obviously we just got done watching a loaded weekend of action i found myself on grandstand almost every day for multiple matches so far get me up to this point what is what have been like your two kind of highlights of, of the tournament and kind of the behind the scenes action that you've been able to see well i'll give you just one match and i would definitely say kokonakis her catch was totally rowdy 
people love Kokonakis down here. I mean, if you go to any of the matches where a South American player is playing, it's it's just honestly it's lit. It's really fun to be at. But Kokonakis and he even a lot said of young it. fans were there. That's, that was the yeah. key. Is they were rowdy for that. Yeah, and Kokonakis even said after his first win down here that he kind of feels like he's Latin because so many people are rooting for him. So. You know, I, he saved like six set points in the first set. Kokonakis did, won that set. Every set went to a tie break. He had match points and, and wasn't able to get it done, but super fun for sure. Give me your favorite interview quote that you've gotten from a player up to this point. You've interviewed a lot of players every day, uh, and I've been able to watch you to kind of work your magic. Who's given you the most interesting scoop of the tournament? That is a good question. You know, honestly, I really like... You're pulling up your Instagrams, looking at the TikToks, or the the reels, to see who who gave you that top quote. You guys have been posting a ton of content. Guys, check out the Tennis One app on Instagram. Yeah, I mean, like you said, we've been doing a lot of players, so I had to pull it up just to kind of refresh my memory, but... I will say we've done Andreescu a few times, and she's she's just super fun. She's so just like great personality, really bubbly. You know, we asked her about like when have you been you know such a big bug protector? Because there was like a little bee on the court, and she like held up the match. She's like, no, we got to get this thing. Don't kill it. Let's get this thing carried off to safety. None of the ball runners wanted to be the one to pick up the bee, and so it was like literally the third person finally said, "Okay, I'll do it." <laughs> so you know, we talked to her about that kind of stuff. Sitsi Pass is like that too, man. Yes, yeah, I, I would be. I would be pretty bubbly and happy if I was playing as well as Bianca Andrescu is right now too. Took out Emma Raducanu in round one. Took out Maria Sakari in round two. Uh, obviously, two of the biggest names in the women's and tennis. Then, yeah, and then Kennan, right? Didn't she? Play oh, and then Kennan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just beat Kennan in straight sets. Um, yeah, so she's three and zero this week. It's a it's a title that she's won before, I believe, right? Uh, she, let's see, let's think. She so win? she won Indian Wells the year she won the U.S. Open, 2019. Okay. Has she won Miami? Why I think it? she maybe made a final. Maybe she made a final. I think that year she made the final, but we're gonna have to pull that up. We're gonna have to pull Do, that up. Anyway, so another another matchup that I'm looking forward to on this slate. Actually, there's two of them. Both of them are popcorn tennis. Holger Rune plays Taylor Fritz, the top American. That's a top ten matchup. Is and this is in round four, which is crazy. And then you got Carlitos Alcaraz versus Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul, he's sneaky right now in the singles race. He is number five this year. He is making a real push. The last fifty-two weeks, he's played like a top ten. Or, sorry, since January, he's played like a top ten player. He's sixteen and five. He's won seventy-six percent of his matches. Tommy Paul is playing phenomenal. I thought it was really interesting that Carlos kind of gave him the love in the presser yesterday after his match against uh, Lajovic. Just kind of saying he's one of the uh, few players uh, that he really takes time to watch and kind of admires the game and the fluidity and how easy the, the game looks for Tommy. Yeah, well, and he's playing great in doubles too. I mean, he's playing with he's playing with Ben shot. Shelton down here, which is sick. Obviously, they played in the quarters at the Australian Open this year, and then, and then Tommy went on to the semis. But they just beat Ram and Salisbury yesterday, which that is a legit doubles team, obviously. So, yeah, Tommy's Tommy's playing well both sides. That's I, I really do. That's a good point, Bram. I've been to the, both those doubles matches they played so far, and I think that like it helps your singles game so much, especially at that level where like Tommy's next kind of the next transition for him to get to that top 10 ranking is to kind of push forward more, dictate more, and finish off in the front court. And that is like what you're able to work on in doubles because there's not a much, there's not as much pressure on a guy like him and Sheldon who are obviously trying to make their living primarily on the singles court. But those guys are going to go out there, have fun. They're bringing the energy. And um, I think Tommy, like him and Sheldon, I asked him, you know, when did you guys become a pairing? He said as soon as that match was over in Australia, they kind of they kind of mentioned it. 
Um, and actually, Sheldon was planning to play with Tiafo, who, who bailed on him late, and it kind of worked out for him and Tommy to get together here. So that's a fun pairing. Those guys are, I mean, two Yonix guys, so two, yeah. the, the V-Core and the E-Zone out there. Yeah, tough scene. Tommy was obviously with Wilson for a long number of years, and then uh, if you're a Wilson, you hate to see the guy switch right when he breaks out, but that's how it goes. Yeah. So Patrick is a former employee of Wilson who is uh, loyal to the W. That's right. He's, uh, you know, Tommy was a blade user for a long time, and now he's with the V-Core. A, a transition that he said he made in Australia. He brought six rackets down to, to Australia, three and three. Uh, he said if he was playing poorly after a week or so in Adelaide, or I believe that was Adelaide, he was gonna, or yeah, he said he was gonna switch back. That was not the case. He played pretty well, and then went on to have his best run of his career. So I think it's safe to say he's gonna be a Yonex guy. Yeah, and it's cool to see Tommy. Like you know, he's always been super talented, and even Fritz was saying this in the press conference yesterday. The Tommy, they've all known that Tommy has this in him, you know, and just now Fritz thought he's not giving away any cheap games anymore. Obviously, I think the big thing is he's doing all the off-court stuff right. Um, Tommy was pretty young when he turned pro, so, you know, that comes with some, Mentally, some things. Mentally, way yeah. more locked in. I mean, yeah, he, w- he, like he was up a break yesterday in the second set, gave the break back. The, t- the, the Tommy from two years ago would have been super flustered and just kind of broken out of patterns maybe and kind of pressed a little bit. This Tommy Paul is just trusting his game you don't even see him looking to the box very often anymore he just is so locked in mentally and he's just playing so free uh he doesn't feel like i mean he's got he's got all the tools in his bag i mean he has everything he's got the power game he's got the finesse he's got the footwork and the speed to defend a little to defend great shape for sure that's i think that's his biggest asset is how good of shape he's in yeah i mean the guy's obviously lightning quick and uh, i think just all the work he's put in the gym over the last like year and a half two years maybe it's just uh yeah it's paying dividends for sure so give me your predictions on the men's side. It's a uh, a loaded slate. If you need the draw, yeah. I got you right here. Uh, yeah. I, I went old school, brought out the printed draws today. Hey, we're actually, guys, we're sitting out here on a lounge overlooking the entire Miami Open campus. It is a beautiful day out here. I would highly suggest you guys come to this tournament if you guys have some time in the next however many years. But give me some predictions. we got a loaded top half of the draw with Carlos, Tommy, Fritz, Rune. Uh, Sinner and Rublev. That top half is ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, out of the top half, wow. I mean, Fritz was saying how he's never played Runa. He actually literally said, like, I don't even know what to make of his game yet. So that'll be an interesting test for Taylor. He did uh, say he was going to have to play some offense. He's, he's yeah. going to have to dictate. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, that top half is crazy. I, You know, this is chalk, but I got to go Alcaraz. The guy just seems to be playing on a, a totally different level. And, and like, for Indian Wells, we said on our tennis one draft, like nobody picked him because we thought maybe he's still harboring some injuries and stuff like that. But now the guy looks like he's just, I don't know, fresh and, and playing amazing. So I, I'd probably go with, with Alcaraz. Maybe we get a center Alcaraz semi, which that, we, we want more of those for th- sure. Those never disappoint. That is, seems to be the, uh, the rivalry of this next decade. Yeah, I mean... You just want to see Sinner win some of those just to make it a rivalry, right? Yeah, that's true. uh, So Sinner's been in a lot of big matches and and has won some of them, but obviously the the U.S. Open was sort of the famous one. And, um, yeah, hopefully we kind of get to see some of that. And now what do you think on the back half here? The back – so I I like – I mean, it's it's super tough to pick against Carlos in the top half. I don't understand, like, how you can feel comfortable about going against a guy that seems invincible at this point. Um, I don't know where – like, if you're coaching against Carlos, like, if you're Brad Stein today – I don't know what you're telling Tommy to kind of zero in on is like the the kind of uh, points of emphasis that you can kind of 
make him uncomfortable. I don't know where that is. I mean, obviously, you have to make him. You have to, you have to play offense. That's that's the no break. Like you have to make him run. But it's like Carlos is just. He doesn't give you many balls to, to really step in and, and press up on. So uh, the back, I'll, I'll take Carlos from the top half. Bottom, I mean, this is a tr- this is where it gets tricky. I mean, can Felix, who's made seven straight quarters at Masters level, can he finally break through? Uh, it's something that he hasn't done yet to this point in his career. Sitsipas, I do not see coming out of this half. He just does not look healthy. Hitting way too many slice backhands on on a faster hard court, I think that'll uh, end up hurting him. Garin had a lot of chances, had an overhead, and then double faulted uh, to to lose his serve at uh, four four piece in the set in the third set. Um, so I think Sitsipas is looking like he against Hachinov, who I think will uh, yeah hopefully Hachinov. That's not going to be a fun matchup. Who a guy that's going to be able to rip to his backhand. Um, so out of the bottom half, give me Hachinov. Or so this is yeah out of the. In the quarters, I'll go, or sorry, the semis, give me Hachinov. I think he takes out Felix, and he'll play Medvedev. I think that's, I mean, I think we're going to see, uh, there's a good chance we see Medi and Carlos again. That's a very boring prediction. Um, unless her I don't think Herkacz has the fire. So I think Herkacz gets through Manorino, gets through the winner of Eubanks and Beret, and then he's going to face Medi. That's not a matchup that I like QB in, and then... I mean, maybe Felix, maybe Felix can come through. He just, I mean, he was on the ropes against Montero in both sets. I, he ended up pulling it out on back-to-back breakers. I'll, I'm going to go chalk, though, pretty much. I mean, I know uh, Medi is the four seed, but I feel like him and Carlos have been the best players on the hard courts the last couple weeks. I think we're, we're going to see a potential rematch of Indian Wells. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll just go opposite of chalk just, you know, for some fun. Yeah. I mean, Sarundalo, who's going to play Felix today. That's a fun matchup. Sarundalo made the semis here last year, right? Yeah. I mean, that was his total breakout tournament. He never even won an ATP Tour level match on hardcore before he played the Miami Open. And That's then he, crazy. he made the semis. So he likes it here. Obviously, he just played against Felix at Indian Wells and lost. I think it was, you know, two close sets. But so, you know, maybe that'll serve him well. And, and you know what? The crowds here, again, for the South American players are just so rowdy and, and fun and he's especially gonna, Argentina yeah, yeah especially Argentina so Francisco is gonna have a lot of support there so a ton of media from Argentina that's what I was like wow in the media room there's so many people from Argentina yeah I mean this is the South American slam for sure you know that's what that's kind of what they say and it's uh you got to go to those matches if you're coming here as a fan yeah. it's just yeah it's I'm, like college uh, it is it is like a college match I mean they have organized chance which American fans have not been able to conquer yet that, that is like where we're losing it on this front. They have, I mean, it doesn't matter when I was in New York, I heard it at the uh, Tabilo Wolf match. When I'm here, you hear it for, I mean, all of the South Americans. Garin just had Hard Rock Stadium in, a, in kind of a full flare, but I'm bummed that this is gonna be my last piece of content of the week. It's been uh, a hell of a week. Fun to commemorate it with a, uh, a double vodka <laughs> drink on the, on the road before I hit this flight. But Patrick, uh, appreciate you for t- tuning in with us. This will be uh, fun to keep doing these as we go forward to other Masters. And um, yeah, I know you guys crushed it this week on the app. I know it's the app that I use, guys. The, the official app of the Miami Open is Tennis One. Uh, live scores, interviews. Um, what else? What, yeah, what else? I mean, we have match highlights. 
we do our own interviews down here in addition to having the, the clips from a lot of the official press conferences. So yeah, check us out. We've been around for like two years, so you know, still a lot to improve, but like it's uh, it's an app that has a lot of people at it that, that love tennis and just love to promote as much as possible. And it's great to partner with, with Nate and Tennis Point and, and groups like that that love the sport as well. And it's been awesome to see what you guys are doing for sure. So you guys are everywhere. I mean, even where I played my college <laughs> tennis spring break, Nate was there like last week or a week yeah. before. So. No, I've been, it's been, I've been on the roads since March 3rd, so it's, it's been a long month, but I've had a lot of fun. I appreciate it with Tennis Points. I know we're trying a lot to grow the game in any way we can possible. Uh, it's been the fun part of my job is it's like that was my goal when I started, and it's my goal has never changed, so we'll see what, I, what we can do. Um, but Tennis One, last nugget, a top 35 sports app this week as far as downloads and users. Pretty cool stat for you guys. Um, but, yeah, ha- have a great day, guys. Appreciate you guys for tuning in for a dual podcast, a Tennis One and Pure Tennis Podcast. Hope you guys will enjoy the rest of the Miami Open, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Awesome. Thanks, Nate. It's been fun.